Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 229 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Toporek, and today we are going to give an updated prediction on Bucks Raptors after it is now 2 2. We're also going to have to say bye, Felicia, to the Portland Trailblazers, and we're going to go into a few nuggets of news that have come out in recent days more Lakers dysfunction, Dwight Powell opting out, and Tim Connolly turning down the Washington Wizards. Before we get to all of that, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter at Spreaker. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Brian, it's going well, but I mean, we have to basically... Uh, nullify all those subjects that you just brought up and talk about who gave Russell Westbrook two votes for first team all defense. <laughs> I I'm less upset by that than Kyrie Irving getting a single vote for all defense. That is atrocious as well. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's so yeah. bad. Yeah. Uh I have no problem with the players who actually got selected for all defense, the all defensive teams, but right, yeah, there, there were some questionable votes handed out there, as always. Um, well, let's start with Bucks Raptors since that is the one series going on until the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, last episode we talked, it was two zero Bucks heading back to Toronto, and we were saying at the time that even though it felt, you know, the Bucks blew the Raptors out in Game Two, it felt kind of hopeless for the Raptors at the time that Vegas two teams were more evenly matched than the series would have suggested at the time. Lo and behold, one double overtime win and one blowout win later. It is now a 2-2 series going back to Milwaukee for game five on Thursday. We were guaranteed at least a game six on Saturday as well. Mort, I think the big, what, I mean, the big story from Toronto's side, if you're talking about looking ahead is Kawhi Leonard. Um, Mm -hmm. He suffers a leg injury in early in game three, guts it out, plays a career high 52 minutes. Uh, Game four, he also plays, has no restrictions, but he looked visibly hobbled at times. There was one dunk in the second half in particular where he comes down, lands with his full weight on that right leg, and was just in clear pain. The Raptors haven't said what he's dealing with. His teammates have alluded to it but they haven't given an official diagnosis, so we can't speculate whether it's the quad injury from last year. I think one it was either Ibaka or Danny Green said it was something with his knee, so we have no idea what it is. 
We can <laughs> Either only... way, it's not great. Right, right. We can only assume he's going to play through it, but starting from there, if I'm the Raptors, that's my biggest concern moving forward is what percentage of Kawhi are we going to get for the rest of the series? Because we're probably going to need pretty close to full strength Kawhi if we're going to win the two of the next three. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- this is just the worst possible thing at a, at the worst possible time because obviously Kawhi wanted a deep playoff run and you know the Raptors wanted a, pl- a deep playoff run to really have him consider staying in Toronto. Now, the hope should be from at least managerial standpoint that Kawhi understands that an injury will happen mm-hmm. and that's not a sign of anything that's <laughs> like this is not because of bad roster construction at at the end of the day him being Injured for two games, they they both came up victorious because the bench came showed up, or and Marcus All has rebounded after a pretty miserable start to the series. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that should really work in Toronto's favor when they speak to Kawhi later on. But I'm going into free agency because that's where my mind is at. Um, obviously, you need a healthy Kawhi, but even if Kawhi was top shelf, 150 percent, you know, you, they still needed that lift that they got in games three and four. Mm-hmm. From the bench and from the key, from the role players, it, it this was this has been Toronto's strength for two whole years. Now is the time to flaunt it. Now is the time to show it. Now is the time to prove it. And they stepped up. And Milwaukee have just not been able to survive for two games after that bench stepped up. Which really again proves that Toronto has something special here. I, I know that after the first two games, we were sitting there going, "Whoa." oh <laughs> And, and I get it, and I think part of why we were cautious is because we kind of seen this movie before. The Raptors right. have a great regular season, you know, the bench is, is all keyed up, like, ooh, we have the great, deepest bench in the league, and then the playoffs come, and it's just like, all the air goes out of the balloon, right? Yeah. yeah well, so I've, just Part of it was wishful thinking on my end, too, because I want nothing but suffering for the Raptors after what Kawhi did to the Sixers. <laughs> You're never going to to forget that. You're no. never going to go get more. No, that. I yeah. sure won't. No. Well, so obviously, for them to uh, to to really be a key player in this series, they need the bench. The bench have performed. Now it's a question of maintaining it. Yeah. Like, how do they do that? How do they prepare for that? No idea. But it's been so hit or miss this playoffs for them in terms of their bench. Mm-hmm. That you can't guarantee that they'll step up in Game Five. You can't guarantee they'll step up in Game Six. So that kind of adds some intrigue, in my opinion, to this series. Like, what kind of Raptors team are we getting? Yeah. But even so, even with them stepping up, I obviously would still prefer Kawhi to be one hundred percent. And I sincerely doubt that's going to be the case for the rest of these conference finals and maybe even the finals if Toronto moves on. Yeah, I totally agree. Um... I think, especially in the Sixers series and in the first two games of the Bucks series, a lot of it was paralysis by indecision, basically. So they were hunting. They, like Marcus All had a number of wide open threes that he would pass up because he was hunting for a better shot. And it seems like the past two games in particular, he's been more aggressive hunting for his own shot. If he catches that three, even if he misses it, just the threat of him pulling up right away forces the defense to react differently. And if the defense isn't afraid of him doing so, if they're willing to let him wide open from three and he's going to catch the ball and not make them pay by at least attempting a shot, then they're going to keep guarding him that way and they're going to keep packing the paint. And that complicates things for the rest of the team. So I think 
in some ways, I don't want to say Kawhi's injury is a silver lining because that's not true. They obviously <laughs> right. they need healthy Kawhi or they need the best version of Kawhi they can get, health permitting. But I think it is going to force Gasol and Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and Norman Powell, Fred Van Vliet, Danny Green. Mm. It's going to force all of them to go into Game 5 with a more aggressive mentality, knowing that our star player is hurt we need to give him that lift that he's been giving us throughout this entire playoff run. Right. He's he's probably not going to be able to bail us out with a 35-point night again. So, you know, Kyle Lowry was phenomenal in Game 4. I think he had 18 first-half points. Um, he, was, he finished with 25, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, 10 of 10 from the free-throw line. He's, you know, we, we talked about Game 1 was that, were you going to get another Kyle Lowry game as good as Game 1? Game 4 was close. Kyle Lowry's doing a lot in this series to bat back the perception that he chokes in the playoffs or they can't, he can't handle the pressure of the playoffs. He, he was phenomenal in Game 4. Gasol was great. Norman Powell has been a revelation in this series. Yeah. He was played out, basically. I mean, in the Sixers series, didn't do much at all. Same with Van Vliet. He's been in a slump for a lot of the playoffs. Also, congratulations to Fran Fleet. He had, I believe, his second kid on Monday and then breaks out of his slump on Tuesday. So there you go. All you need is to just have a kid and you're... And not sleep, apparently. Right, yes. right. And suddenly you're nailing threes again. So from Toronto's side, I, I, I think you're right. It, it, the question is, can the bench keep it up? Can they continue providing this well-rounded effort? From Milwaukee's side... I think there are a couple questions. One, defensively, they've been sending a lot of doubles at Kawhi because, again, you can't stop him from doing what he does. But now that he's hobbled, I almost wonder if you're better off going back to single coverage against him. Because in Game 4, I mean, a lot of the Bucks' defense the whole year, they've been conceding open shots to bad shooters. In game four, they were sending a lot of doubles, and then good shooters were getting open shots. And and that is what kind of led the avalanche to start falling and led to that blowout. So I almost wonder if you're now knowing Kawhi is not at full strength, as crazy as this might sound, dare him to beat you and play the rest of the supporting cast tough. Of course. Of course. It's only logical. Oh, that, that was a Spock sentence, if it ever was. One. But yeah. <laughs> no, it is. I mean... Of course, look, if a guy goes down, this is the NBA, you know, obviously you're going to take advantage of that. You should take advantage of that. That's your job. And and that might sound cruel to some, but that is how the game is played. Yeah. If Kawhi is lumping around on just one good leg, yeah, absolutely single coverage all the way. And if he, you know, puts up the same stellar 19 and 7 on you know, frankly, acceptable field goal percentage, you live with it because it's not 35 points on 80% from the field. It's not, you know, some crazy outing. You can live with that. Mm -hmm. And then if you close off the shooters, if you close off the passing lanes, and Lord knows Bucks have the length to do so, you know, you're right back in this series and you're taking the upper hand. I mean, I'm, I'm still ha I still have Milwaukee coming out of this series. I, mm -hmm. I'm, if I'm a Milwaukee fan, I'm honestly not nervous at all. I'm... You know, I'm I'm kind of disappointed in how Eric Bledsoe has played, yeah. and I'm I'm cautiously, uh, 
yeah, I was about to say cautiously optimistic, but it's the other way around. I'm, I'm beginning to get a little bit frightened that there are players in this league that can figure out Giannis. Mm-hmm. But I'm also pretty confident that Giannis is one of those guys who can figure stuff out the more he is exposed to it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go into Bledsoe. I'm glad you brought him up because he has been hot garbage in this series. Eight it's po- not been great. 8.3 points on 24% shooting. He has shot 2 of 19 from 3. At this point in Game 4, the the Raptors were openly daring him to shoot. They, they were giving him the Russell Westbrook treatment. Like, we just mm-hmm. don't respect you at all. All we want to do is prevent you from driving to the basket because that's where you deal the damage. If you want to take this wide open three, fine. Hit a couple, then we'll change our defensive scheme. But until you prove you can, <laughs> fire away, buddy. Well, so, he has hit a couple for this series. <laughs> two. Two. A whole a whopping two. So, Mort, if you're Mike Budenholzer going into game five, do you stick with Eric Bledsoe in the starting lineup? Or do you yeah. go to George Hill? No, no, I'm sticking with it, with Bled for sure. Look, this is a four-game sample. If you as a coach have to sit a player down that way, then then you're kind of panicking. I don't think that that's necessary. I, yeah, you make some alterations in the offense and the schemes, but I don't think you sit it. Like if anything, but right now is probably you know in some crazy lab somewhere figuring out how to get Bledsoe the, the first two baskets of the next game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I I don't bench him. I might have a quicker trigger to get Hill in the game if Bledsoe starts really struggling because Hill has mm-hmm. been great in this series. I mean, yep. 52% shooting overall, 5 of 10 from 3. He's just been a nice, steady contributor. Didn't do much in Game 4, but honestly, very few Bucks not named Chris Middleton and Giannis did. So mm-hmm. I'm not too concerned about that. The other issue, I'd say, in terms of the rotation players is Nico, your, your yes. former flame, Nico Miritich. Uh, six of twenty-eight from three in this series. Not worried. It's Nico. Look, I've known this dude for a long time. I was, I was, I was following Nico at Real Madrid for years as well. Mm-hmm. This dude is one of those guys I know, and it doesn't matter that he's six of twenty-eight. It doesn't matter. He he's one of those guys who'll come out next game. He'll take seven. He'll yeah. take eight. <laughs> he doesn't necessarily go into slumps the same way that we kind of you know in terms of what our perception of a slump is he'll mm-hmm. keep firing and with the same confidence level then one drops and he'll be like oh game on and that's just the way he is he's a rhythm player and if you just get one or two good shots from him he's going to carry that over and it's it's going to be a thing so i'm not worried about him i'm not worried about Bledsoe, especially because like again we, we go back to depth right like we talked about toronto's bench but Milwaukee's bench is is fantastic as well. Mm-hmm. I'm just not nervous about it. You start the same guys, and like you said, if those if if Bledsoe and Nico are just just horrible to begin the game, yeah, you can probably have a quick hook, and that's fine because you have players who can come off the bench and do some something similar. Like Urzan Ilyasova is, in some respects, a carbon copy right. of Nikola Mirotic. Mm-hmm. Like you can easily emulate the same place. That's fine. George Hill, not exactly the same kind of player as Eric Bledsoe, but he's proven to be steady all around, so you can do those things. I'm just, I'm not worried whatsoever. And besides, you know, they're going to be back at the Pfizer Forum yep. for Game 5, and 
you know, with 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 Bledsoe shooting ten percent from downtown and twenty four percent overall, I have a feeling he's made it a priority to, to to assert himself in Game Five. And believe me when I say Nico, he wants to see at least a three or two go down early on. So I, I'm not worried if I'm a Bucks fan whatsoever. Yeah, Nico. The, the bigger concern for me is defense because he's just been horrid, especially Game Four. He he looked completely clueless out there. So yeah. If yeah. that continues. I think, you know, I, I want to compare it to the, the movie 300, where they, they like, you know, they have, I forget what, the phalanx, I want to say, with, with all the shields, and they're like, if you if there's one yeah. hole, then that's going to make the whole thing collapse, and Nico right. was that in game four. So if that happens again, you got to get him out of there, uh, but hopefully he comes in with a little more defensive focus in game five. More, you said you still have the Bucks coming out of this series. I think did you pick Bucks and six or Bucks and seven coming in? I actually don't remember. Yeah, I don't even know if, if we did it. Actually, we might not have even done a full prediction. We did it at the very start of the playoffs, and I know you had the Bucks in this series, but yeah, I, I don't remember if I ever did a you know amount of games. I just had basically the Bucks coming out of the East, and yeah. I still still have them coming out out the East, and I still tend to think that I have them as the champs as well, so I'm, I'm really not that worried. By the way, I just I just want to read you something. Here are some numbers, and I'm not going to put them into context right now. 16, okay. 5.8, and 3. Like, normally you would think, oh, that's a guy averaging 16 points, 5.8 rebounds, and 3 assists, right? That, that's basically what Chris Middleton is doing, yes. Right. That's Giannis's rebounds, <laughs> assists, and blocks. Yeah. So good. while he's not scoring as much, he's at twenty two point eight for the series. Everything else is bueno. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I because of the Kawhi injury in particular, I yeah. lean the Bucks in seven. I think heading into the playoffs, I had the Raptors over the Bucks in this series. Um, I, I got my my conviction got shaken by that Philly series because their their bench just disappeared and I didn't have faith in uh, you know the Bucks bench was so good against the Celtics and I thought that might be the difference it, I think it really does come down to the supporting cast and then how healthy Kawhi is if he can if he's 50 percent or 70 percent or 80 percent or whatever just how much they could possibly ring out of him before the clock expires I think will go a long way toward determining right. the series but it's you know it's a best of three it's anyone's game right now. I, I will, you know, you said earlier, if I'm a Bucks fan, I wouldn't be nervous. If I'm a Bucks fan, the only reason I wouldn't be crapping my pants right now is because Kawhi is hurt. Otherwise, I would be terrified. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm not there, but maybe that's just... The, I've watched the Bucks all year long, and they they just seem so ready for this. Uh, Late-game situations, they're executing. Like, yeah, sometimes they'll meet someone who stomps them a little bit, but... The way that they come back continuously after losses and yeah. like makes it an effort to regain their footing, it's it's tremendous. And I, I'm super high on it. If they lose this series, I would actually be very surprised. By the way, we should talk about in, in like in terms of the optimal scenario for this series, because we're talking sitting here talking about six or seven. If we're hoping for a very competitive NBA finals, we should really hope it goes just six. Just so team Whichever team wins gets a little more rest because the Warriors. Correct. Be, yeah. 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 Especially, I mean, especially if the Raptors win, just so Kawhi gets a few days off. Right. Yeah. But for salary cap reasons, we should hope both this and the finals go seven. 
So how much does one game matter in you know one playoff game matter for the for the t- uh, salary yeah, cap though? I, I would think a game seven in the conference finals or the NBA finals, you know, every little bit helps. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn and complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance, which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages or situations. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. All right, Mort, since we talked about the East, we gotta move to the West now. There's nothing to say about the Golden State Warriors. They're in their fifth straight finals. They're one of the best dynasties of all time at this point. I mean, Draymond Green is spectacular. He was was phenomenal in that Portland series with Kevin Durant out. Now they've got, I believe, 10 days off to get Durant and or Boogie back ahead of the finals. We'll see who they match up with. We'll have a lot more Warriors analysis, obviously, in the coming days. So today... Let's say goodbye, or bye Felicia, to the Portland Trailblazers more. And <sighs> I was one of those yeah. people, I've just been so wrong about the Blazers for so long. So yeah. I, I want to issue a mea culpa that, you know, I was one of the people that last summer was like, hmm, I don't know, maybe they should at least be shopping around Dame or CJ just they don't they're not in any rush these guys are under contract for a few more years but let's see what's on the market for them and Mm -hmm. then yes you were and then they overcome adversity with Nurkic's injury late in the season they have a phenomenal playoff run I don't want to hear anyone saying at like you know the Oregonian had that tweet after game three I believe with you know like collecting all of the memes on social media about like splash brothers more like trash brothers talking about dame and cj yeah, yeah. It, this portland season so vastly exceeded even the most optimistic expectations that yep ending in a sweep is you went against a dynasty it's not it's not any reason to hang your heads you, and you had 15 point leads in three of the four games they they were they had an excellent excellent season um more i know looking ahead now Mm. you had a piece go up recently on forbes about kind of what's going to make it difficult for them to get back to this point correct so basically you know their cap situation is pretty dire uh partly because of their 2016 summer which we have covered ad nauseum on this podcast um so yeah ennis Cantor, rodney hood both of them played tremendously here in the playoffs. They obviously, you know, just increased their own value in the open market, which they'll hit this July. Oh, or sorry, late June. Now right. that it's, right. yeah. Um, 
and, and realistically, there's just not really any scenario where uh, the Blazers can afford to you know, keep Alpha Rukamino and then also pay Rodney Hood and Ennis Cantor. Uh, you may be able to throw the tax Emily at one of those guys, but you mm-hmm. have to wonder if that's even enough. Right. Like I could see some team, you know, if some team strikes out in free agency going after Rodney Hood because he's still somewhat young, he's productive, he seems to be regained his confidence. Like he's going to be an attractive asset to some team. Uh, personally, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bulls actually, you know, went after him because that would be so Bulls. Um, and his Cantor as well, you know, still just 27, might not be the defensive stalwart that you wanted him to be, mm-hmm. but still a highly competent scorer, highly competent rebounder. Uh, you know, a guy who's who's really proven during his Blazers tenure to be a great teammate as well. Like, I mean, people were crapping on him in New York, but it's New York. Right. Like, how can you expect to have, you know, satisfied player while being, you know, a joke of an organization? I don't, that doesn't compute. So the question is, can he even retain one of those guys, I I don't know the answer. To that Seth Curry is another another mm-hmm. one out of you know out of contract free agent. You had a piece about him on, you know, the B-ball writers, and you can make your plug about that. You know, just after I'm done here. Right. So basically, in my article for Forbes, what I was talking about was you can maybe keep Seth Curry with the tax MLE, mm-hmm. and then what you really should be doing is focusing on five young players that you'll have on your roster next season. Because you will have Sack Collins, who proved to be a very capable player. Yep. And he's actually my choice for MIP next year. I think there's reason for that. He's tremendously skilled. Then you have Anthony Simons, the very young 19-year-old kid who didn't play a lot this year. You have Gary Trent. And you have um, Scal. the 25th... Huh? Scal. Yeah, Scala Bizier. Yeah. And you have the 25th pick, I believe, coming in this mm. year as well. So... Basically, you have a secondary rotation of youngsters that you need to groom accurately so they can give Damon CJ and Alvaro Rugamino and, well, at least Evan Turner one more year, some some backup minutes of, of note. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the UI brought up kind of the complications of bringing back everyone. The issue with Hood, Curry, and Cantor in particular is that they only have non-bird rights on all three of those guys, which Correct. means they can only offer up to 120% of what they were earning this past season. So next year's salary can only be 120%. This year's salary, all three of those guys, Hood earned, I believe, he was three at, point Almost $3.5 million. Okay. So yeah, they can offer him like 4.2. I think Curry, they can offer about 3.4. And Cantor is at 1.6. Yeah, which, that's peanuts. Right. So Curry has been underpaid the past two summer, the past two times he was a free agent. But right. I would think that some team will wise up and give him more than 3.4 million, if not the full taxpayer MLE. Agreed. Um, the taxpayer MLE is projected to be a 5.7 this year. So I'm with you. I don't know that that's enough to keep Hood in particular. Um, if if you're the Blazers or if you're Neil Olshay, who would you prioritize among those three guys? Probably Cantor, even though I like Curry better for that team. Um, Interesting. But but Cantor simply because Nurkic is going to be out for a while, 
Yeah. And your primary big right now is Zach Collins. So I, I, I have great, you know, great respect for Zach Collins, and, and I, I think he'll do great. But Myers Leonard, even though he ended the season pretty well here in the mm-hmm. playoffs, is has just not proven enough to be a guy you can rely on for 25, 30 minutes a night. So yeah. Cantor is significantly better than Leonard in, in, you know, at least from where I'm sitting. So it makes sense to bring Cantor back and have some depth at the big position. Now, would it <laughs> would it cost a lot to lose, you know, Seth Curry in terms of encore production? Yes, because Curry's ability to stretch the floor and the way the teams are just hanging around him when he's just standing on the outside, mm-hmm. that's tremendously valuable. Mm-hmm. So what you have to hope for is that Anthony Simons becomes a sniper. Gary Trent Jr., I'll give him this at Duke. He was a, He's a good shooter. He was a great shooter, and I still think he is if he's going to be given the minutes. He's just a train wreck defensively, but he has a whole summer to work that out. Now he has a whole year of NBA experience under him. He didn't get a lot of minutes, but he's been in the NBA environment for a year. Like He's gotten to know the, you know, the practice habits. And Dame, to his credit, is one of those organizational culture setters who's working his butt off and who takes young people, you know, young players, and takes them, you know, under his wing. So I have to believe that there is some plan here in place for the youngsters. I have to. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, since you mentioned it, I might as well. I did write a piece for the B-Ball Raiders uh, about Seth Curry and just why he deserves to get paid this summer. Um, because he's good. Right. I, I feel like this has really just been the Seth Curry podcast, and we've been his unofficial agents for three years. But Yep. You know, he shot 45% from three this past year. His catch-and-shoot numbers in the piece are ridiculous. I think he was he led the league in terms of catch-and-shoot three-point accuracy among guys who took at least 25 attempts, I believe. Um, he's not as effective as, as Steph on pull-ups, but he still hit around 37 38% from three this year. He's just a great shooter. The gravity's there. Surprisingly right. stout defensively. I think it's just the issue is... He's small for a two-guard. He's 6'2", like 190. um, And he doesn't have the passing chops for a traditional point guard. So you ideally need to pair him with a big point guard who can defend twos. Someone like Alonzo Ball. Um, Right. And then... Did you just compare Seth to Steph, though? Because, I mean, I get that they're brothers. Right. But, you know, that's the... I really have a, I mean, not with you, but I have a problem with the fact that people keep bringing up Steph. Like, like he's the natural comparison, even though they're brothers. Like, I mean, I get it. But, like, even even if he's not shooting as well as Steph, like, he's still tremendously talented. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I see him basically just as a microwave spot-up threat off the bench. I see him right. filling, like a Kyle Korver role or what I assume JJ Redick is going to transition into in the next few years, something yeah. like that. And that's proven extremely valuable on championship teams in the past. So it's, yeah, like I don't think Seth Curry should get $20 million a year, but something, you know, I use Jared Dubin of 538 um, came up with a metric to determine how much value a player produced this year based on like their R- RPM wins. And then, you know, we divided all of the salary across the league, figure out how much each win cost, multiplied by RPM wins. And Seth Curry produced about $8 million in value, which do I think he's going to get an $8 million contract or an $8 million salary this summer? Probably not. But 
I do think somewhere in the ballpark of five or six million a year is yeah. fair value for him. And, since and again, because okay. we've been on his unofficial agents for three years, all we're asking is for just one percent. Just yeah. casual, just casual one percent. Yep. And since we're talking about the b-ball writers, more. Are you tired of clickbait, ads, pop-up videos, talking head hyperbole, big market bias, and data selling? Are you tired of soap operas, wild speculation, and unnamed sources? Are you tired of padding the stats of CEOs and shareholders while your favorite content creators get paid pennies for their work? At bballwriters.com, they are too. That's why they created the Basketball Writers. At bballwriters.com, they concentrate on just the game and everything they love about it. NBA, WNBA, which starts Friday... EuroLeague, Fantasy Basketball, and many more corners of the Hoops universe are soon to explore. Also the draft, of course. All in one place on a blazingly fast, clean site that lets you choose which writer to directly support while still enjoying all of the content from their whole team. Elevate the conversation, elevate the game. They'll see you at bballwriters.com, and don't forget to enter the code the NBA Pod for 10% off your annual, monthly, or daily subscription. That is the, 10, the NBA Pod for 10% off. You can read all about Seth Curry's heroics, the conference finals, NBA finals preview draft, all that good stuff there. Uh, so more looking ahead for the Blazers. First, they gave uh, Terry Stotts, their head coach, they announced that he's agreed to a multi-year extension. Do you like that move for them? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, he's he has a great rapport with both Damon and CJ. He seems to still have the attention and the respect of all the players. In part because of that great relationship he has with Dame, because Dame, as I mentioned previously, is the culture setter. Mm-hmm. So why not run with that? I mean, when you replace a coach, it's because he's either not delivering delivering on the results or he's lost the locker room. Neither of those things is true. So why not bring him back? Yeah, I agree. I, especially coming off a Western Conference Finals berth. The, right. I just think in general... We underrate the value of stability and consistency and Mm -hmm. having to make that team learn an entirely new system after experiencing such success would be so counterintuitive. Like they, they aren't that far away. They needed some lucky breaks this year. Sure. But they can be in that second tier of Western Conference contenders where if things break the right way, as they did this year, they can be right back in the conference finals next year. Hopefully Nurkic will be healthy by the time the playoffs roll around next year. In the meantime, Myers Leonard showed me something in that Warriors series more. I like I, you know, he did. you said Cantor would be the guy you prioritize to bring back. I would have agreed a month ago, but now I'm wondering if Myers Leonard and Zach Collins can just hold down the fort for them okay, until Nurkic Easy, returns. brother. Easy. Come on. I it's don't know. One series. I, yeah, but he was really good in that series. Yes, he was. And it was he was also the right series to step up in, like, against the freaking Warriors. But, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. I totally get it. But it's a three-game sample size I for know. him. I know. Um, it, yeah. I think, I think, you know what it is? I think the idea of Myers Leonard is so great. Yeah. Because here you have this athletic, super athletic center who can shoot threes, who can rebound, who can theoretically block shots, and he can make a pass. Like, the, the idea about Myers Leonard is tremendous. But the Blazers have given him 
so many opportunities over the past what six years seven years Mm -hmm. six years Mm -hmm. like when has he ever proven that he's up for the task or a full 82 game schedule like i don't mind giving him that chance like he's still under contract for next year so that it's fine but if i'm relying on it i would feel hesitant as an organization yeah that's reasonable i mean He's started 42 games in his career. He's played seven NBA seasons so far. He's still relatively young. I mean, he's only 27, and maybe something clicked in this last series or this last season. I mean, he shot above 50% from the field each of the last two years in limited minutes, shot above 40% mm-hmm. from three in each of the last two years. It's Yeah, I think you're right that the, the concept of him is very appealing. Um but we saw the fully actualized version of that against the Warriors in a series where right. cancer got played off the floor immediately. So it, it does just make me wonder if if there are cheaper alternatives either in-house with with uh, Collins and with Leonard or maybe you just sign a veteran minimum guy instead of needing to spend money on Cantor when, you know, when Nurkic comes back, Cantor goes right back to a 10-15 minute game role. Right, or maybe you just you know give Scalabissier more minutes. Like right. he was actually pretty okay in Sacramento, and yeah. then he got to the Blazers, you know, a better team, a deeper team, and obviously didn't receive as many minutes. And he seems to be an afterthought. Like he was averaging plus eight points, I believe, over the first two years in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's that's perfectly fine. I want to say it was his second year after the All Star break where he really started coming on, and you're like, oh okay, this might be a thing. And then yeah. the Kings added about 15,000 bigs, and he got buried right back down at the bottom of the right. bench. And, but yeah, there there is talent there for sure. Right. Uh, and also, just to clarify, I'm not saying they should bring Ennis Kanter back. Yeah. You know, just... But but I but I also think that we have begun thinking too much in playoff terms all the time. Mm-hmm. Like you will still need to get to the actual playoffs, <laughs> right? So you also need to sign players with the mindset of, hey, if you I want to compete, I need to win in the regular season. Cantor, to his credit, is a guy who will win you games here and there in the regular season. Yeah, like, because there, you know, he won't be as exposed, and he'll be able to give you fifteen and ten off the bench every single damn night. That's true. That that's valuable. I mean, it's this is again going back to the whole championship or bust thing. Mm-hmm. Like you still need players to produce over an eighty-two game schedule. Right. Right. No, that's very true. Um, last thing on the Blazers, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports reported the Blazers are expected to offer Dame a supermax, assuming he qualifies for an All NBA team, which it's almost certain that he will. Right. Any concerns about that whatsoever? You mean fifty two point eight million at age thirty four? Correct. You know what? Un- unlike John Wall and you know to some extent Russell Westbrook, I I don't mind this. Dame again. I I not. It's the first first time I'm saying it, but it's just so true. Dame is a culture setter. Do you mm-hmm. know how rare it is for organizations to have a culture setter? Like yeah. we're talking about, like Steve Nash, Kevin Garnett, those type of guys who came in immediately and 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 just said, you know what, I need to change something. And then everyone around them in the organization started following suit. Dame is that type of guy. Like, unfortunately, he isn't the same talent level of, of Steph Curry, or at least not, well, I, I, it's close, but he isn't the same 
uh, superstar as as Curry because Curry is just in a league of all his own, mm-hmm. and he isn't as influential as Curry or Durant or you know prime LeBron or anything like that. But he is damn close to it. He is the second best point guard in the NBA so far, S- significantly better than uh, Kyrie Irving in my opinion, mm-hmm. and that does carry some value. I mean, he's what twenty eight. He's going to be 29. So you'll at least get three, maybe four good years out of him on that deal. I can get into it. I can. And especially if that conti- if that culture continues to broaden and if it asserts themselves into the young guys. And if his immediate, you know, if his sheer presence on the roster and in the locker room and in, in and around the organization means that young players will take another step forward in their production and their development. Hell yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. And, I mean, he is not as reliant on his athleticism as Wall or Westbrook. So Right, that 30-foot that three over Paul George kind of... 37-foot? <laughs> yeah. 37-foot, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like he, He's a much better shooter than either of those guys. He projects to age better because of that. Like, if he loses half a step, it is not going to ruin him like it has kind of already with Wall and... It, it may be with Westbrook. So, right. I mean, I'm just nervous to commit that much money to anyone just because it becomes really hard to build around that. But I get that. If there's a guy, you know, he's, I don't know if he's deserving of, I, I look, he's deserving of all the money he should get. He's a great player. Take that money and run Dame. I think it's a problem with the actual system more so than him. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame the Blazers for doing it. They, they're just it's just a crappy system where they have to offer that money and he has to take it. It's gonna probably lead to complications down the line. But that's that is what the NBA created with this supermax. Or, or maybe it won't. Maybe the Blazers are just legitimately preferring to have a situation where they have a living legend who yeah. they want to finish out his career with the Blazers you know have a Kobe kind of career where it's the same team Reggie Miller kind of career that's that's totally respectable in its own way if that's the route they want to go I mean look at look at the league right now look at the overall picture of the league Giannis is going to own the East for what the next 10 years then you have the the Denver Nuggets who seem to be on the rise to the same extent that they're gonna just basically own the West for the next 10 seasons it's okay to be competitive and not win a ring. Yeah. It's fine. It doesn't it, it doesn't have to be championship or bust. And if the Blazers are consistently a playoff team and Dame is consistently one of the league's best players, you know what? They'll look at that 20 years after that contract expired and go going, you know, that was a pretty good investment. We mm-hmm. we have a we have a living legend on, you know, his his jersey's in the rafters. He retired a Blazer. Everything is good. So it needn't all be, hey, let, let's join a super team. And Dame, in particular, is very much against that himself. So why not? Yeah. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Well, since you're talking about culture, Mort, let's turn back to the Los Angeles Lakers, who we just can't get enough of this summer. Uh, Hours before Frank Vogel is officially introduced as head coach on Monday, Magic Johnson, the former Lakers team president, goes on first take and burns the damn franchise to the ground. Just absolutely ethers them he Mm -hmm. he says that rob palenka had betrayed him he said if you're going to talk betrayal it's only with rob he said he he, uh, (laughs) said that tim harris who is on the business side of the lakers was too involved with basketball basically just shined further light on the dysfunction that has run rampant inside the Lakers front office with the Rambi being involved, Palenka, you know, accusing Magic of not working all that hard, which apparently is true. He just didn't put in the time that a normal president of basketball operations was is expected to do. But mm-hmm. at the same time, Magic told Genie that apparently right when he got hired. He was like, look, my other businesses make me a lot more money than being president of the Lakers. I'm going to be somewhat distant here. And Jeannie was like, that's great. That's fine. Just, we just need you as a face. And it got them LeBron James. So, so to some extent it worked, but yeah. now the Lakers are the laughing stock of the NBA, which is not something you would have ever expected to hear Still. five years ago. You you wouldn't have expected here five years ago. If you said LeBron James is on the Lakers and right. the Lakers are the laughing stock of the NBA, someone would have slapped you. But but having said that, five years ago, you know the Lakers were in the running for Carmelo Anthony, who yeah. spurned them and went back to the Knicks. And at that point, it was similar media reaction towards the Lakers back then. So it's yeah. been it's been rough over the last couple of years. It's been very um, yeah. Look, I mean, apologies to our listeners because we again have to broach the subject of the Lakers honestly and legitimately. I mean that because. Oh, we deserve a, a holiday from Lakers talk. It's unbelievable <laughs> how many horrible stories and, you know, just weird things coming out of that organization these days. Yeah. But it just points to, you know, a much bigger issue. And and I really hate saying this because I actually really like Jeannie Buzz in terms of how she's trying to gauge the situation. But she's failing tremendously. Yeah. She, she's, she, is, she seems to just be... I, I don't know, just completely blind in this situation and trying to act blindly as well. Like, maybe this will work. Maybe this. Maybe mm-hmm. that. 
like just throwing stuff against the wall. Like, okay, Frank Vogel, I kind of like that hire. That's fine. Right. Jason Kidd, <laughs> I, that's that's where you lose me immediately yeah. with his track record. Like, this is a guy who not only is looking for more power in every situation, in every organization he's been, you know, a part of after his playing days ended. He's also a guy who drives drunk and has hit his own wife, right? So mm-hmm. it's not exactly a stellar person. And I know some of you out there listening going, well, I don't care about that. How is that relevant? It is because in today's NBA and in today's sports, personalities matter. Personal tendencies matter. Jason Kidd, by all accounts, is not a person who inspires greatness in people. Like, let's just make that painfully clear. Well, just look at the Bucks. They right. fire him and they immediately win 20 more games. And the only yeah. major change they brought in was Brooke Lopez and Ursan Ilyasova, who do not represent a, I think it was actually a 16-win swing. Those two guys yeah. do not represent a 16-win swing. He's just not a great coach. He limited what Giannis could do in particular. Right. They bring in a great coach, and all of a sudden they get much better. So, yes. Jason, and like forcing him upon, as you said, he tries to assert power whenever he can. Forcing yep. him as an assistant, you know how this is going to end. Like, mm-hmm. I, Vegas should have lines on when Frank Vogel gets fired and when Jason Kidd gets hired as head coach. And then another date for when he tries to be more than just the head coach. <laughs> yeah, right, right. A takeover is a Tom Thibodeau type player slash team president, which they have. So they they've eliminated that position apparently. Uh, Rob Palenka announced in the head uh, the the press conference to announce Vogel as head coach. He said the position of president of basketball operations basically Genie made it up for Magic and now it's just gone. So Palenka is yeah. operating as the the GM reporting right to Genie, but then you still also have all of this shadowy cable of the rambi and now probably jason kidd has some influence tim harris from the business side this is a mess and so now i mean yes we are sick of talking about the lakers nothing has changed they're still a disaster they are headed into a very important summer where maybe they try to trade for anthony davis or someone else bradley beal mike conley whoever oh oh was that a plug for my forbes article <laughs> that that was or oh, or maybe you know, ideally, they would love to sign another free agent. Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, someone along that caliber of player. They have plenty of cap space to do so. Yep. Sam Amick of The Athletic reported yesterday that sources close to LeBron have expressed concern that the combination of Magic's messy exit and all the negative Lakers headlines have threatened to sabotage their summer. How much stock do you put into that, Mort? Do you think? Oh, that is so. <laughs> that is so wrong. <laughs> no, obviously, like that is so obvious. Of course, that, that yes, they'll affect it. Yes, of course. How, how could it not? LeBron is right to be worried. But here's the thing: LeBron knew what he was going into. I don't think he knew it would fall apart to this extent. Maybe, maybe not this extent. But this hadn't been a stable franchise for years. Yeah. Come on, when he signed last year, eighty percent of all media members and fan, even fans, were like. Why? Why? Why is this happening? Even Lakers. I had so many Danish Lakers fans immediately after the news <laughs> tweet me or text me or DM me like, why are they doing this? This is the second greatest player of all time and his own damn fan base didn't want him. Yeah. Like, come on. This this has been a mess ever since last season. This is not pointing the finger at LeBron. It's just everything 
coming out of that organization right now, even the signing of LeBron and whatever is going on right now, everything is just illogical, Brian. There's just no rhyme or reason with anything. It's just they're throwing stuff into a bucket. They're twirling around and they hope some sort of fantastic dish comes out of it. And it's not. It's just a bunch of shit, crabby foods being thrown together. And it's disgusting, the end result. There's not going to be anything positive to come out of this. Unless, of course, they get the players that they want. But even if they do get an Anthony Davis, and even if they do get a Kawhi Leonard, how long do you give that team before something weird happens? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they've entered that point where they have LeBron James, who is, at worst, a top-five player in the league right now. In theory, I mean, we saw for the past decade almost, LeBron James plus anyone equals NBA Finals. This this seri- season, of course, he had the groin injury, forced him to miss a bunch of time, the Anthony Davis trade rumors, submarine their locker room chemistry, whatever. Um in theory, if you add talent around LeBron, LeBron might just <laughs> disregard all of the other stuff going around and bring them back to the playoffs. They were the, they had, you know, Magic said it on Monday, they were the fourth best team in the West on Christmas Day when they beat the Warriors. And, and then that's when LeBron hurt his groin in the seats and kind of got off the rails from there. Look, I've been saying this since, since last summer that there was no basketball reason why LeBron James went to the Lakers. It did not make sense from a basketball perspective. That said, he still went to the Lakers. There is still the appeal of the Lakers brand living in LA. For LeBron in particular, he's got an entertainment business now that he's really starting to get off the ground. His family loves living there. It, you, we have to remember that there are other factors to keep in mind. If, LeBron James, who at least could have theoretically supplanted Michael Jordan as the best player of all time with a few more rings and a few more career accolades, if he threw all of that to the side and said, yeah, I could go for that, but maybe I just want to live in LA. If he's doing that, then I'm not going to rule the Lakers out. Like Maybe they strike out this summer and maybe they do something dumb, but until it happens, I just think it, it's always a possibility, at least, that someone is willing to go and dive headfirst into this, despite or maybe, all of the dysfunction. Or maybe the reason he went to the Lakers last year was because the Clippers didn't have cap space. Yeah. But the Clippers, at most, even if you move Gallinari, you can only get two max guys. No, but I'm saying last year, like, he wanted L.A. Maybe oh, the yeah, reason yeah, he yeah. went to the Lakers specifically was simply because there wasn't cap space in the, you know, with the Clippers. Maybe it didn't yeah. even matter to him which organization it was. He was just hooked on L.A. specifically. Oh, I'm, I'm sure if he wanted to go to the Clippers, if he was, like, really that adamant about yeah, going to true. the Clippers, they would have flipped Tobias Harris in a heartbeat. They would have made the Yeah, that's space. probably it's, true. That's or it, Not probably. You're, you're absolutely right. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it was the Lakers brand. It was Magic. I mean, having Magic there, who went from player, Lakers icon, entertainment mm-hmm. mogul, billionaire, that is the path LeBron wants to follow. Right. Having Magic there helped, but now Magic isn't there anymore. But LeBron is also from 1984. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. He grew up with you know, that Lakers brand. Like He was in his, in his teenage years when, when Kobe and Shaq won... Uh, championships, right? So, so that had to have some influence. 
in the for the players right now, you know, the big young difference makers, they were born, you know, in the late nineties. Yeah. I think that's a different perception of the brand, right? And I think that's what Genie Bus and the and, and that whole you know slew of people are beginning to understand. It's they don't have the same connections to the people that they once did because the the Showtime Lakers of the eighties, they they shaped an entire decade of basketball and and basketball you know people getting born into to to that time. Mm-hmm. That's so far removed from that now. That's well over 30 years ago. So the players who are young now and you need to build forward with, they grew up on something else. They grew up with Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaq, in, in, you know, in maybe with the Lakers, with the Magic, with the Heat, Dwayne, you know, LeBron himself, for crying out loud. Yeah. I, I just think that that love affair with the Lakers brand, I don't think... It's as solid as it's been previously, and I think it's only going to fade more. I don't think LeBron going there is necessarily appealing to to the point where it increases again. Right. Well, I mean, we saw that when Dwight Howard left after a year. You know, when he got traded there in 2012, it was, oh, well, Dwight Howard's going to be the next Lakers great big man. And then right. he left. It was like, oh. Okay, maybe maybe the Lakers brand isn't as strong as we all thought. And to your point about LeBron, yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of superstars, a lot of guys like Kawhi and KD in particular probably will not want to go join up with him because they don't want to be viewed as his sidekick. They would like to beat him, not join him. They would like to mm. not take the blame, be the Chris Bosh if things go wrong and not get the credit if things go right. I think so those guys I think would probably off the table. I feel like Kyrie is the best case scenario. Which is uh, so weird. <laughs> right. It's it's wild. This 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 summer is just gonna be madness. I'm very excited. Alright, enough Lakers talk. Yeah. Enough. Let's yeah. let's and, and next week, even I don't even care if the Staples Center is bombed by terrorists. It doesn't matter. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. Hopefully. There will be Let, no let's, more let's developments. Knock on wood that that doesn't happen, by the way. I'm just saying right. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like we need a Lakers break here. Yes. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, let's go into the Dallas Mavericks quickly because Dwight Powell made some news the other day by declining his $10.2 million player option for next season, Mm -hmm. which means he will be a free agent this summer. A lot of the instant reaction was, what the F is going on? This dude is not going to get $10 million on the open market. Uh, Mark Cuban came out and said basically the plan is they're just going to give him a three-year extension. So 
maybe he takes a little bit less money, but he gets locked up long term. So that answered the question quickly. But before that, I was just thinking, like, we've been saying this for a while. There are a lot of teams with a lot of cap space, and there aren't that many max guys to go around. And if some of these max guys stay put, then all of these teams that have been promising we're going to get these superstar free agents are going to have 40 or $50 million sitting on their books and they got to spend it on someone. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there is that second tier of player that is going to get overpaid this summer. I don't know if Dwight Powell fits in that mold and it seems like he's not going to leave Dallas anyway. So it's a non-starter, but I think it's really interesting from Dallas's perspective because now if they, they can keep Kristaps Porzingis on the books he has a, I believe his cap hold is about $17.1 million. So they're going to they're going to keep him. They're going to give him probably a five-year max, but they're going to push that off timing-wise until they handle all of their other business just because his cap hold is going to be so much smaller than what his starting salary is going to be. They now, because Powell opted out, can create up to about $40 million in cap space, a little bit more even, which mm-hmm. puts them in the range if they want to go big game hunting they can afford it whoever they want what do you think the Mavs do this summer Mort well if they promised Dwight a a three-year extension that's Mm -hmm. what he's gonna get yeah and you have to remember for them to have the amount of money available they'll need to renounce him yep of course they can always re-sign him but they then would have to re-sign him with cap space they would Mm -hmm. lose every bird right they have on him or they could use. Well, I'm I'm assuming they're going to use the non-taxpayer mid-level on him. They could. Assuming yeah. like assuming their best case scenario happens and they spend all of their cap space elsewhere, they always have that option of. Uh, I think the non-taxpayer starts at like nine point two five million, so it's a slight pay cut, but getting the security of an extra two years. That that would be my guess of how they handle power. Right, and that would be a great job by Dwight Powell and his agent, by the way, because yeah. he barely goes down in money. Like right. it's very limited, uh, just over a million, and then he just basically extends by another by another two years. Like yeah, that's that would be fine. Uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. I, I I think they should go big game hunting. You know, you and I talked about it before we started recording. I'm I'm all in for Julius Randle specifically for Dallas. Mm. Um, you know, I I think he makes sense because then you have an additional big playmaker who can take the ball the ball off the glass and initiate the break, and with Luca running around and with Porzingis, you know, stepping outside or moving in near the basket, like you just have so many opportunities to go to there. So I would like Randall. You mentioned to me that big game hunting goes, you know. Kemba Walker or some of the bigger names, I I get that, but at the same time I feel it's so essential that you build around Luca and Luca's age group as well. Mm-hmm. Like we did a one hundred minute pod on on my Danish Patreon about how to build around Luca, and we we both agreed that you need to do it within a certain age group. Yeah, like Kemba just doesn't fit that, even though he'd be great there. How long would he be great there for? Mm-hmm. Two years? Three years? Tops? Well, the most they can offer is only a four-year deal, so that's not too bad. R- right, but I mean, that, that third year, I'm not yeah. even sure. Right. Because he's still a six-one point guard who uses his speed and athleticism a lot. Like, granted, his development you know, as a shooter and his intelligence level and his floor reading, like, absolutely, it's tremendous. But he would still lose a significant step. If you're in Kemba, 
going into like age 30, age, age 31, 32. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they sniff around Tobias Harris if the Sixers mess around and don't give him the five-year max Ooh. that he apparently wants. And he's only 26, I believe, or 27 yeah. soon to be. I like that. Yeah, That's so, a lot more interesting to me. Yeah. yeah, or Chris Middleton, too, if the Bucks, what, who knows what happens with them if they fall out. And then we'll talk about the Bucks. Their by Felicia is going to be very interesting because they have um, some tricky... Will they have a by Felicia? Well, I mean, everyone's going to have a bye, Felicia, at some point. Even the champions? Yeah. Okay. Still got to talk about what's next for them. They've, they've got a really... I'm writing about it right now. They have some interesting salary cap hurdles to overcome. Um, so, I, I think it's probably... I don't think they get meetings with the top, top, top guys. KD. Like Kawhi. Kawhi. Yeah. Kyrie. I don't think that happens. I think it's that next tier down. Middleton, Walker, Tobias, maybe Jimmy. Oh, God. Maybe Yeah. Jimmy. Jimmy from from Texas. Yeah. 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 Oh, KD. Hey, I'm just saying. Like, KD went to Texas University. That's true. That's true. No, he's not. So, no, 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 no. But I'm just saying, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, I All I'm saying is Powell opting out creates a lot more options for the Mavericks. They should thank their lucky stars that he did it. It was a very kind move, and I'm sure they'll repay him with, whether it's with cap space or the mid-level, they'll, they'll get him back, but... Yeah, yeah, it was. It, it really creates some options. The Mavericks now can very, very easily be in the bidding for any max contract player that they want, and that's by design. That's obviously what happened. Hey, Dwight, we need to improve this roster. Your cap hold is messing everything up. Right. We need to talk. Yeah, get yeah. into my office. Yeah, it was good business. Good business for the Mavs. Uh, and then the yeah. last last note uh, is the Washington Wizards. They were going after. Tim Connolly, the Nuggets president of basketball operations. They offered him more money than he's earning in Denver, but he ultimately turned it down, decided to stay in Denver. Um, He said, loyalty and patience is such a rarity in professional sports, and that's here in spades. Those things matter to me. So he's staying in Denver, which I know our guest from last week, TJ McBride, is exuberant about because... Connolly has done a masterful job building mm-hmm. that Nuggets core up, and I'm glad to see he's going to get to the opportunity to continue that work. Where does that leave the Wizards, Mort? <laughs> uh, with Danny Ferry? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, you know, then they can't uh, select Siku Domboya, right? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. That's no good. That's That's no good at all. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I was I mean I guess Connolly has some family ties to the Washington region, which was why he at least entertained the conversation. But right on paper, again, this goes back to the LeBron Lakers thing. It's like on paper, why would you leave the Nuggets to join a Wizards team that is in John Wall hell for the next four years? Well, I can tell you why. Not not leaving. I can tell you why he took a meeting. You know, because because this was a this was something that NBA Twitter followed closely, like mm-hmm. Tim Connolly's meeting with the Wizards, and all the time Moneyball was playing in my head. Yeah. You know that final scene with Brad Pitt going to the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just yeah. listening to their offer that that was just Tim Connolly all the way through. He Moneyballed that thing because he just he wanted to sniff out a little bit, like hmm. You wanted to feel catered. It doesn't have to be just players right. that needs to be catered to. 
Tim Conley wanted a little sugar and he got it and it was fine. Yeah. And and ultimately and accurately in my opinion, he identified the Nuggets as the place where he's made a lot of differences and positive differences where there's a young core in place that is again in my opinion finals bound within the next 3 years. Why leave when you can build? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I'm very happy that he stayed in Denver cuz I Yes. I think this Nuggets team is not far off from being an every year contender and I think he's done a great job there and he deserves every opportunity I hope as you suggest I hope that this is the type of flirtation you do when you're trying to get a raise you know just like Mm -hmm. "Ah, I'm gonna go meet with them who knows we'll see what happens oh they offered me more money but I'm staying here because I'm loyal yeah, I'm, I'm sure a, a, a few more bucks ended up in Conley's pockets in Denver as well. By the way, so. I mean, this is a huge win for Denver, not just in retaining Conley, but also from a reputation point, because they lost Masai Ujiri to Toronto. Mm-hmm. And if they would have lost Conley to the Wizards, that would have been a pattern. Like, you know, they were great at grooming, but maybe not at retaining, mm-hmm. you know, great managers. So Tim Connolly deciding to stay is really huge for their future as well. Like that loyalty factor, you know, they're hoping that that's going to trickle down to all the assistant GMs and whatnot, like down the line. Mm-hmm. That's big. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. So Godspeed to the Wizards and their GM search. <laughs> Godspeed to whoever takes that job dealing with uh, the John Wall headache and the Bradley Beal situation. I'll take that. it. Yeah, right. I guess I'll yeah. take. I'll gladly take it because I mean, the I don't think it's that bad a situation. I get it. Like you, you're basically guaranteed for four years during John Wall's contract that you get to play around and do stuff because mm-hmm. everyone knows, you know that 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 contract is just limiting everything. So you have four years to figure stuff out. You have four years to really accumulate assets and young assets. And you have a great trade chip in Bradley Beal. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of possibilities with the Wizards. It's just a matter of executing them accurately. And it's a matter of getting that entire organization on the same page, which (laughs) that's the challenge, right? Yeah. I mean, it's can you get the owner on board with that direction? If you can, by God, that's Sam Henke's music. Right. Right. Just saying, he's still available for NBA jobs, yep. Wizards, and he would he would take a sledgehammer to you guys faster than you would even know. And then the NBA will change some rules, right? Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good place to wrap up today. So thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. Please subscribe to us on iTunes. You can also download, leave some five-star reviews. You can also find us on Twitter, at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. And we're now being hosted on Spreaker, so check them out on Twitter, at Spreaker. Until next time, I'm Brian Toporek, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. 
Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clean. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi oh! This next one's for you too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.